talk about well a lot of sports that I've been missing out on Uh, I know I've been kind of like inactive on the whole podcast game right now but you know rest assured I'm gonna be a whole lot more active uh, going into the near future that being said I mean we still got sports to talk about so we might as well so we might as well get right into it I mean I'm going to try and not to, you know, edit this too much. This is mostly just going to be me ranting. Uh, I might be intoxicated. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've, I have a few drinks in me, and I'm about to smoke some marijuana. As of right now, we're not monetized, so we can say whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> uh, but that being said, let's get right into it. Uh, where should we start? Uh, this is going to be mostly an NBA midseason episode. Uh, mostly just going to go over certain teams that I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the MVP race. Uh, we're going to give a finals prediction just for the fucks of it, you know. And then uh, a few NBA All-Star props that we're going to talk about, but nothing too major. Uh, I, I, I believe that's pretty much it. I got some soccer I want to talk about, but... Uh, Yeah, then we'll get into some football. I mean, uh, uh, next episode, by the way, will be a special kind of, um, this is just kind of to ease back into things, but, uh, the next episode I'll be releasing will be on the MLB lockdown, and I'll kind of give you the ins and outs of what's going on there, because it's kind of infuriating to explain it. It makes me really mad, and I'm going to need a lot of beer to talk about that. But yeah, we've made it to the NBA midseason. We are in NBA All-Star Weekend. It is going to be in Cleveland, Team LeBron versus Team Durant. Now, this year has been a pretty weird one, but um, a lot has happened, let me tell you. It started off with the whole, like, like vaccine mandates and Kyrie not playing. And uh, going up to this trade deadline, there was many rumors going around that certain superstars were unhappy in their certain situations. And nowadays, the culture is just okay with requesting a trade and getting traded the very next week now we've all know this story in philadelphia has been brewing for quite some time since last year's playoffs the um, one by the name of ben simmons has been a big trade target by many teams but the most notable one we could talk about was the nets now the nets said they had interest in trading ben or uh, james harden but Steve Nash even said that by the end of the trade deadline, James Harden will still be in Brooklyn Net. Now, not to call a cap, but that did not happen. (laughs) Uh, It turns out James Harden was moved to the 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, which is a very good return for the Nets, let me just say. I I really like that, and uh, the Sixers got Paul Millsap and some like picks and you know whatever. Doesn't really matter. Both teams I think got better obviously because the Seventy Sixers got a a good player in for a player that's not contributing right now, and the Nets got better on defense, which is what they need because God knows they have enough offense. So. I believe this Ben Simmons KD thing is going to work. And I'll, I'll get into it later once I get to the Nets. But 
man, what a what a tight race for the playoffs, man. And this whole play-in scenario thing, uh, I wasn't too much of a big fan of it the first year, but I'm kind of getting behind the whole having an extra play-in spot to make the conference more competitive, you know, battling for the top nine spots instead of eight, and you have a small play-in tournament at the beginning of the playoffs. Huh, but what am I doing? Let me smoke first. Hold on, guys. Do, 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 do. Y'all like the Super Bowl halftime show, by the way? I like it, but, you know, you put up a bunch of big names, and obviously it's going to get the, the liking that it got, but... Could the set selection be the... Could, could the song selection have been better? Yeah, but to an extent, no. Anyways. Uh, like, like, like the great, uh, Dr. Drew, or like the great, like the great, late, Nate Dog said, Smoke weed every day. Until we get monetized, I'm going to keep referring to it as marijuana. <coughs> oh, man, let's get into it. Uh, we'll start with the East since it's tightly packed. Get this, get this. So the difference... Uh, let's see, where should we start? The difference in losses between the seventh seed and the first seed is four losses. The Raptors have 25 losses. The Heat have 21 losses. In terms of wins, they're 6 wins behind. And the Nets are 7 wins behind in 8th. That's a very tight, tight race. The Nets went on an 11-game losing streak. They were at, like sitting in pretty at 2nd, and then all of a sudden, they're now at 8. This is such a tight race that... They don't have any more room to slip up. They pretty much have to win a lot of the the remaining games. Or at least keep up with the rest of the competition. Damn. And in order, you got the Heat, Bulls, Bucks... In the top three, then the next three are Cavs, 76ers, Celtics. And then you have the play-in spot, Raptors, Nets, Hornets, Hawks. That's pretty much it. I don't believe the Wizards will make it, even though they're right there. Uh, next to the Hawks. I really want the Hawks to make it, that's why. Um, I'm a big fan of Trey Young and their offense. I mean, they have the number two offense, offensive rating in the NBA. They play at a very fast pace, but it also happens that they also have one of the worst defensive ratings. So, I mean, uh, they're kind of overcompensating somewhere, but uh, let's see, where can we go with this? We'll start with the Heat. The Heat have been playing really well, you know, uh, they're a very cohesive team, I want to say, and they just—they're so deep in terms of all their parts because they run off of a front three of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and you got Tyler Hero, and you surround them with like, you know, solid role players like Duncan Robinson, and you have, not to mention my guy from UCSB, Gabe Vincent. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like the Heat have been very solid in terms of offense and defense. Their offense is almost or basically just the same as their defense in terms of rankings in the NBA. They're one of the most consistent teams besides the Suns. <laughs> um, but they are really good in in what they what they have been able to accomplish with this team. Now, the Bulls are in second with the same record. They're tied for first. Get this. 
but there's a big discrepancy here. Their offense is a lot better. Offensive rating is a lot better than the Heat, but their defensive rating is ranked at a bottom third in the league. Now, the fact that their offense is overcompensating for their defense to the point where they could outscore their opponent given any any time, which means you bet overs, people. Get this. You bet the overs on Bulls games. Shocker. And, you know, they're a dark horse to make it to the finals. They're a dark horse to make it out of the East because their offense is so potent that no matter how good the defense is, they'll be able to do it. They'll be able to score points. And, like, let's say... I mean, to be honest... I wouldn't want the Bucks in a in a series. But we'll get there. I mean, might as well step onto it. Uh, the next tier is the Bucks and the Cavs and the 76ers. The Bucks are playing really good basketball with a very small amount of people. Now, they are running some rotations that are just crazy. Okay? <laughs> you got their superstars running 40 plus minutes every day. And it's just not sustainable. Once they get into the playoffs, they're going to be really tired. And, man, I don't know what Coach Bud is doing, to be honest. Because, yeah, they're they're doing well in the regular season. But they're just going to burn out and crash in the finals. And, I mean, you have to rely on Giannis, basically, and Drew Holiday in the finals last year. Basically, Giannis just being a monster in the finals after going down 0-2. I think they're going to be strong. They could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but it's it's going to be tough to sustain what they have going right now in terms of their rotations. I mean, you plan on running a five-man rotation the whole fucking game? No. Man. But they are good on defense, good on offense, and they got Giannis. So that's all that you really need. And... To the surprise of everyone, the Cavs are top four in the East on top of the Celtics, 76ers, Raptors, and Nets. If I were to tell you that the Cavs would be better than the 76ers, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Nets, you would you would think that's crazy. And Evan Mobley is that guy. He should be rookie of the, the, of the year just because of how well the Cavs are playing. Darius Garland is playing like a really good point guard. And once they get Colin Sexton back, they could either trade him for support around these guys. Or or just, you know, keep him for, for being that guy and that defensive grit that he has. You have three big men just going at it. And they what they have assembled here with Jared Allen, Markinen, like this is working and it's gonna take them far. They're only two games out of first. And after this after this all star break, anything goes. You you got the top seven seeds that could all of a sudden just go from, you know, last to first. And all it takes is a small losing streak to happen. So, like, who's ever first now might not make it. It might be something different on the West 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 Coast, but we'll 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 get there too. Uh, we'll talk about the 76ers and Celtics since there's all they always seem to be right next to each other. They're either like three, four, four, five, five, six. Joel Embiid is playing at a really good level. Like, he's carrying this team. And, like, Tyrese Maxey has stepped up. Tobias Harris is nowhere to be found. They traded away Seth Curry. Now they have James Harden. I believe this team can go far, but they they are not deep. They are easy to beat in a seven-game series. So take that for a grain of salt. Uh, Celtics, really good defensive team. Average offense. If Jason Tatum could perform in the playoffs, like I believe they could go really far with their defense. Their defense is has is really good this year, and I mean it's always good to, every year. But 
they really seem to have locked it down on defense this year where they could win a lot of their games just with their defense. And it doesn't matter that they have a middle-of-the-road offense, you know. If Jason Tatum could drop 30 a night with Jalen Brown dropping 20 alongside, Marcus Smart getting a few blocks and seals here and there, they got something going there. But, I mean, like I said, are they a finals-winning team? I don't think so. And then and the next four teams, we'll talk about them together. We got the Raptors, Nets, Hornets, Hawks. Raptors, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet have been playing at an awesome level. If Fred Van Vliet is playing, the Raptors' offense is humming. Pascal Siakam is returning to what Pascal Siakam was known to be in the NBA Finals. And... You know, it's a young team, so they got a bright future. But, you know, I don't I don't I don't think they can make it far. But they're gonna be a scrappy team, uh, definitely a gentleman's sweep if you got it. Cause they're gonna be going up against the Bulls. If it were to end right now. And then you got Nets in eighth. Uh, with Ben Simmons, with KD, with Kyrie, you don't got to worry about a thing. Uh, with Ben 10 on there, their defense gets a lot better. They got Andre Dom- Drummond, who you know can provide rebounds, offensive and defensive. You know he can contribute. You have Seth Curry and Joe Harris, who you hopefully get next year. That could uh, provide shooting support. And you have one of the most prolific scorers of all time. So, I mean, they're sitting pretty. You just count them in. If the season were to end today, the East would shape out like this. It would be Nets versus Heat, Raptors versus Bulls, Celtics versus Bucks, and 76ers versus Cavs. Now, if we were to pick those, uh, man, Heat would get shit out of luck to play the Nets. But if I were the Nets, I would want to move up to either play the Oh, not the the Bulls? Bro, honestly, I would stay in 8th if I were the fucking... Uh. The East is so stacked. I don't know who's going to take it. I, I can't even do your predictions right now. I'm going to move on to the West Coast. Hornets and Hawks, they're right there. I really want the Hawks to make it. So hopefully Trey Young can do that again. But uh, the Hornets actually seem... They've fallen off a little, but with... Montrez Herald, they should get better. But that's enough about the East. Let's move to the West Coast. Ain't nobody like West Coast body. Who do you have making it out of the West? That is a very good question. Off the top of my head... It's a competition between the top six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you name it. Ain't got a ding in this conversation. The Timberwolves are getting better, but they're not going to be up there to that championship level team. The Clippers are going to be out with Kawhi and Paul George for the rest of the year. So you could pretty much count them out. The Lakers, well, they have Russell Westbrook. So... That's not going to go well. And the Trailblazers, well, they're young too. They're up and coming. Same thing with the Spurs. Same thing with the Pelicans. The Pelicans actually are going to be really scary next year with Zion. Hopefully they get him healthy. If they have an offense with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and Zion, you're talking about a top six. And the rest are ass. Even though there's a lot of good stories to talk about, we're going to focus on the top six. And we'll start from the bottom. We'll start with the Denver Nuggets. And with the Denver Nuggets, you got to talk about Nikola Jokic. The level that this Serbian man is playing basketball, sorry to specify his race, but I just thought it would be funny. He is playing... At one of the most high levels anyone has ever seen 
ever. The way this man contributes to his team is is similar to that of Lucas contribution, but man, and I mean the Mavs rightfully so are right above one 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 loss away from the Nuggets. One one loss better. Twenty four losses over twenty five. Luca has a, a very comparable effect to Nikola Jokic. If you were to take Jokic or Luca out of the Nuggets and Mavs offense they would fall very significantly in terms of offensive rating. They would fall to a bottom bottom five offense. The Nuggets are playing without Jamal Murray, which gives me hope that they will get him back before playoffs. I've I've been hearing that he's gonna he's ramping up to make his debut. But if they can get him back right before playoffs, that'll be insane. But the question is, how can they get him back to speed? Because you remember that that awesome duel between Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. That was one of the greatest playoff series of all time. The Jazz vs. Nuggets series will go down as one of the top five greatest series of all time. And hopefully they could do well once they get Jamal Murray back, but the story is all about Nikola Jokic. If he could somehow secure the MVP again this year, it's going to be tough, but it'll be historic because no one has ever seen a guy play like this, especially... At his stature. Now. Let's move on to the Mavs. Because this is a very interesting story. And it's so funny how you keep moving on. Up. And all these stories are going to jump into one another. So they're going to. They're going to segue quite well. The Mavericks have. Our good team. They have an efficient offense. And they're capable of winning games. Especially with Luka playing. They have traded Porzingis and I think it made them better. There's rumors that they go, might go and buy Dragic, but who knows. Uh, but the problem with the Mavs is that they've been trying to get over the playoff hump. And they can't seem to do that. And it, it going into every year, they think this year is the year we get over the hump. But they keep doing the same. They keep putting out the same product every year. Every year. And just to get bounced in the first, second round. And it's like, can Luka carry this Mavs team to a finals? Maybe. Can he drop 40, 50 points a night? Yeah. Does that guarantee that the Mavs win the game? No, not at all. Luka could be dropping 50 points and they still lose the game. They need to figure it out quick. They got a good defense and a solid offense. If they could put the right pieces around Luka, this team is unstoppable. And I'm talking about defense, man. They need defense. And then we move on to the Jazz, who kind of have a similar story, but now it's shifted to Rudy Gobert. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has always been the answer, but he's running low on patience in terms of what the Jazz could provide him. Now, their roster is running quite low, and these players tend to underperform when they're under stressful situations. Uh, <coughs> Jordan Clarkson. But Rudy Gobert is playing at a very clumsy level, and when I say clumsy... This guy, oh man, to see him on the court is just awkward. But not being that being said, he is a good defensive player. But the Jazz have always been the Jazz. And the Jazz always get bounced in the first round. Or second round, if you want it. But...
Hopefully they can make it to the second round this year, but I really want to talk about the Grizzlies. What the Grizzlies have been able to accomplish is the blueprint for an ideal rebuild. They have a big, a good big, a young good big in Jaron Jackson Jr., who they had before John Moran, and they knew they were going to build around him from the start. He's a really good defensive player and could contribute a lot on offense. Is he the best center to play the game? No. But he's, you know, a top EV player. And then you go and draft one of the most athletic point guards since Derrick Rose. And the energy he brings to this team is just in parallel to to what anyone is able to do. Comparable to Stephen Curry, but that was after he became the most prolific three-point shooter of all time. This kid is about to lead this team into the NBA Finals. That's a hot take right now. He's 22 years old. And he's playing at a top one point guard level. Is he on Chris Paul's level in terms of IQ? No. But I think he's a better point guard than Chris Paul in terms of athleticism, in terms of playmaking, in terms of getting to the rim. But, I mean, obviously, you know, Chris Paul's the point guard and you can't bash him. But and You always take IQ over athleticism. But at a certain point, you know, John Morant will become that player. And I don't know if it's going to take all the accolades to prove everyone wrong. But surrounding him with Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain is having a breakout year. Probably the most improved player of the year this year. Jaron Jackson Jr. came back from a bad injury last year. And he's playing at a top level. And next year he's probably going to play even better. The core that this team has assembled... Is one that will last for years to come. And I think they will be in in playoff contention for the next 10 years or so. The Warriors, on the other hand, won't be in playoff contention for the next 10 years or so. Their window is actually looking quite small. It's actually looking like a 2-3 year window. Um... Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are declining, but Klay Thompson is looking quite good and looking back into rhythm. And then we get to Steph Curry. What the Warriors have been able to do is get a bunch of young talent that could provide at a very young age around these veteran players. So what you have is a good mix of you know, veteran expertise and, you know, young rookie talent. What they have been able to do is build the chemistry between these veterans and rookies to the point where they bridge the gap in between their each other's weaknesses. You know, Steph and Clay and Draymond, they're kind of old. They're kind of, you know, lacking in energy. That's where the rookies come in. The young, gritty. They could play defense. They could switch. They're, they could play a fast defense, a transition defense, you name it. Their defense is the number one defensive rating in the NBA for a reason. I mean, with Draymond. Without Draymond, they drop a lot to like eight, I think. But uh, with Draymond on this team, this team will go to the conference finals. And if you have a Suns-Warriors seven-game series in the conference finals or right beforehand in the, div- in, the, in the divisional round or whatever, in the second round of the playoffs, that would be crazy. But I think at the end of the day, 
it's going to be the Grizzlies and the Warriors if Steph Curry's playing to a high level. The Suns will smash through anyone that is not playing at the top of their game. The Suns are so consistent. That's where we get to the Suns now. Now we're on the Suns. Wow. The Suns are so consistent, and they're playing such a high-level basketball that they do not lose many games. They score a lot. They outscore their opponents. But, man. I have not seen a collection of consistent basketball since... Since the Warriors, 2015-2016 Warriors. Not saying they're as good as that team. But fuck. Man, this team fucks. You, uh, The blueprint is to assemble a big three. And this is where it's going to go. This is where basketball is going to go. We're moving toward a positionless basketball uh, system where you switch everything and defense is played fast. No room for error, just buckets. We're going to step away from big, un- not unathletic centers, but step toward high versatility uh both uh both both way or uh dual way two way player for a center i guess and you surround him with a point guard and a shooting guard and i guess that's always been the pr- blueprint but you take the grizzlies for example they're almost there. They have, you know, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. They're just mo- missing a prolific shooting guard. What the Suns have in their hands, you have arguably one of the best point guards to ever play the game, Chris Paul at point guard. You have Devin Booker at shooting guard who has... You know, drop 70 points in a game. Ain't no joke. Dude is nice with it. Dude is very nice with it. And then you have DeAndre Ian, one of the best two-way players right now on defense and offense. If they don't win the NBA Finals this year, like they had the opportunity to last year. And by the way, that was such a cool way for Chris Paul to lose the NBA Finals. You thought it was finally his time. But no. The basketball gods are cruel. And it is for that reason that I believe that Chris Paul will never get an NBA ring. And, and Rondo has called it out way before. You know, he's been calling it out since fucking 2008. Um, uh, let's move on to this weekend, or no, actually, let's, let's move on to the MVP race. My rankings as it goes are, number one is Yokola Rote, Nikola Jokic. Dude is averaging 26 points per game, almost 14 rebounds per game, and 8 assists per game. Now... Giannis, on the other hand, is leading the NBA scoring. Actually, I think DeMar DeRozan is now. But uh, Giannis is in second for me. He has 29, 11, and 6, which is really good. But we've already seen Giannis win the MVP. So, you know, people are making the case for Joel Embiid now, who is putting up an arguable 29, 10, and 4. And carrying his team, by the way. So that's basically the main reason why people are calling for Joel Embiid. Because he had to carry Tyrese Maxey. But with depends on how he plays with James Harden and how the 76ers do from now on. It's going to affect his MVP race. That's for sure. 
Steph was four, but he has dropped off because DeMar DeRozan just is playing at a level that, well, let's just say only Will Chamberlain has played at. And that's something not to take lightly. Due to seven straight 35-point games, and I think is leading the NBA right now, or is about to lead the NBA with like he has. I think he has twenty-eight points per game. And if he keeps dropping thirty-five points every game, he will surpass that real quick. But yeah, I mean, and then John Morant, of course. But uh, the top five: Jokic, Giannis, Joel, Steph, Demar. If the Bulls make it far and DeMar keeps scoring, I believe DeMar DeRozan might be a good chance. But the narrative today is Joel Embiid since he hasn't got one. Uh, So, if I were to pick two people to win the MVP, it would be Joel Embiid and DeMar DeRozan. Hot take, maybe, but DeMar DeRozan is is putting the mid-game on his back. The mid-range shot. Dude, so nice with it. Oh, I can't wait to see him in the playoffs again. With Zach Levine, with Lonzo. Oh, it's going to be great. Um... My finals matchup, though, this is uh, this is where you're gonna guys are gonna have to stick with me. My finals matchup coming out of the East, I got the motherfucking Miami Heat. They're coming back with the vengeance. And out of the West, in this corner, the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, you heard it here first, guys. The Memphis Grizzlies will win the Western Conference, and it will be a Heat-Grizzlies finals. Now let's talk about some motherfucking football. I'm going to smoke another bowl though, so... Give me a sec. Let's get it, guys. <coughs> All right, this is the NFL recap part of the show where I am about to get into some dirty conspiracy talk. I just smoked a bull, so it's in good honor that we get down and gritty into this scandal. First and foremost, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams on winning the 2022 Super Bowl championship. I believe it is Super Bowl 50. Six or fifty-eight, probably fifty-six. Oh man, 
What a Super Bowl. What a, what a playoffs, first and foremost. One of the best playoffs I have seen to this day with an exclamation mark. Or a asterisk. With an asterisk. Where do I begin? Where do you get? Let's let's start with the shitty teams. Let's start with the shitty teams real quick. What are some narratives we could talk about real quick? Y'all want to talk about the Dolphins? What? They started off one and six. Won eight of their last nine games and decided to fire Brian Flores. Um, over any sample size, if someone wins eight. Out of nine, would you hire them as a coach? Uh, probably. I mean, their division's iffy, but, like, you know, they're playing good teams. And now, you know, Brian Flores is suing the NFL for hiring practices, which, honestly, he might win. But <laughs> the NFL has hired the former attorney general as their lawyer to represent them. In this case. So good luck Brian Flores. But uh, Mike McDaniel. New coach. Blah blah blah. Will he be able to do something with this team? Good luck with Tua man. If Brian Flores was able to do something. That's because he found something. Mike McDaniel. I mean I'm, I'm, I'm sure he got hired for a good reason. But good luck. With this quarterback. And that offensive line. Uh, good luck. Uh, Jets, you know, is are the next probable team, and well, Zach Wilson might die on the football field, and that is not taken figuratively anymore. Um, after this season, what we have seen, we have not been able to see see what Zach Wilson is on the field because most of the time he's just running around. Trying to, you know, not die. The one bright spot of the Jets season was Mike White. <laughs> if if your one sole bright spot of the season is a guy named Mike White, like you you got some things to look for. And geez, this team is down bad, like down in the gutter for the next 10 years if they don't fix something. Good luck with that rebuilding process and, uh, you know, trust the process. Uh, We're going to jump to the AFC North. Uh, We'll start with the Ravens. The Ravens start off like eight. Were they eight and were they really eight and one? They were eight and one and lost six their last six games of the season to finish below five hundred. Uh, that being said, they faced a lot of setbacks starting from preseason. Like they lost their entire running running games before the season started. Like. They lost Gus Edwards. They lost fucking... They had to rely on Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, let that sink in. Oh, man, but Lamar Jackson got injured, and people are questioning whether they could win with Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, he was injured with his ankle injury, and... uh, I mean, he... Not... The Ravens were eight and one. Why are people freaking out? Let it's the same story as the Dolphins, basically. But just like you know, the Ravens are good if they could stay healthy, and they might get Antonio Brown. So who who cares? On the other hand, the Browns have to deal with Baker Mayfield, who people are questioning if he can lead this team to a championship. Wait. Uh, the, don't get me wrong. At the end of the first half of the first week, 
everyone thought the Browns were about to win the Super Bowl just the way because of the way the Chiefs were, because of the way they were whooping on the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs came back and won that game, and the Browns lost. And they probably got so demoralized because that was their comeback win against their revenge win against the Chiefs from that horrendous playoff game that they played where it was that horrible non-call on the targeting by Sorensen that should have set them up as a first and goal. They got robbed of, of, of their Super Bowl, man. And... They should have made it to the big dance and probably won it. Their run game was healthy. Baker was sort of healthy. Who knows? That could have been their year, but... Good luck with that torn labrum, Baker Mayfield. And let's see if the Browns stick by you. The Texans have Deshaun Watson, and that was a bigger story than any of the... Headlines I'm going to cover, so we're going to move on. Uh, ooh, 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 the Colts, the Colts, the Colts. They started off wacky, found their mojo. Towards the end of the season, they were, they were riding off these wins against the Bills, mostly behind Jonathan Taylor's efforts, but they found a way to win with Carson Wentz, and that was to limit Carson Wentz on throwing the ball. But little by little... As the Colts got good, and they had to force these tie game situations where they had to throw the ball, Carson Wentz will extend a play. And the thing is, when Carson Wentz extends a play, things usually go awry. Usually results in turnovers, but uh, it wasn't, you know, I don't know how he was doing it during his MVP season. I guess he just had a really good defense and good receivers, but uh Yeah. Carson Wentz sucks and bet on him to throw turnovers every game because he might as well just throw two in every game. I don't think the Colts will be sticking with him much longer. I think he's hated in Indianapolis right now. Jags have Urban Meyer they you know what's the future of Trevor Lawrence blah 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 let's not get into that Broncos need a QB Aaron Rodgers might be the future quarterback of the Broncos because they like to buy old quarterbacks so I mean might not the Chargers have a lot of potential Justin Herbert is really good but they just need a really good run defense I believe they allowed 100 or more rush yards in 12 of 17 games this season is Brandon Staley overrated? Maybe. Is he a good coach? Yeah, but, you know. You had the tie right there, man. Why'd you have to call timeout? Holy shit, Justin Fields also might die. Man, what's up with... What's up with... This is a big debate I have between college and NFL. At least in college, you know what you have, and you try to build your offense around what, you know, your quarterback. But in the NFL, I don't know if there's like a a pride thing involved with these coaches or something, but they always want to mold the quarterback to their system instead of molding the system to their quarterback. And it just leads to mistakes, unnecessary mistakes that lead to undeveloped careers, I want to say. Right now, Zach Wilson is in trouble. Right now, uh, Justin Fields is another big one. And... When are people going to learn? It's like that's what made the Chiefs so great. Is like they molded that offense around Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Let's get to the motherfucking Super Bowl. 
Joe Burrow is that man. Let's talk about the playoffs in general. What we were handed this year was some of the best entertainment we have ever seen to date. And I believe it has skyrocketed NFL playoff rankings in terms of sports, the major sports. Because you know MLB always has those playoffs unlocked. They always have those October moments. They, you know, they have playoff October franchise and shit like that. It's easy. You know, you're guaranteed high-level baseball in October. With basketball, it's almost the same way. You're guaranteed high-level basketball in May and June. Hockey, not so much. Hockey is probably the worst one, but it is also high pace. But football has, you know, reached the conversation. Like, look at how well we could script our games. <laughs> and this is what my big problem with this big season was. It was this was the first year that betting was technically legally introduced into the NFL. And. Oh, they just so happened to implement a new taunting rule. And it just so happened that they threw the most amount of flags that they ever thrown. Ever, probably. And every week, there was at least one game where the story was the officiating crew. And it was just like, why did it have to be like that? Why, why were games predicted on live movements most of the time? Why, why did Vegas call? And just the influence of the officials in these games was so blatant that it happens and people just look away or just not raise an eye. And it was just, it led to some of the best entertainment, obviously, in recent history. And... The Super Bowl was just a great, big, what's it called? Microcosm of it. You had a great game at the beginning. A few missed calls here and there. But overall, it was a fair game based on, like, you know, missed calls here and there. Uh... The, the 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 way the uh, defenses were adjusting to each other, you know, the Rams, the Bengals defense managed to adjust into the Rams where they didn't score until the fourth and blah, blah, blah. It was just the, the game was being played at such a high level. The refs were keeping the flags in their pockets until the very last. Or the second to last drive where the Rams needed to score. Fortunately, since they missed an extra point early in the game, they made the deficit by four. And what should have been a fourth and eight turned into a first goal, first and goal because a phantom golden goal. That first of all, if the game was down by three, they would have let this game go to overtime. My second point, probably the biggest missed call of the game, the T Higgins touchdown with Jalen Ramsey pass interference call. They went to that extra point so quickly, and everybody saw the replay. And if you saw the reactions of everybody, they were not the reactions. Of of people playing for a championship. I mean, the Rams were on the other side of that Saints uh, pass interference call, but Sean McVay looked dead ass at the replay and did not even react to his player getting a face mask that led to a touchdown. If I were the coach of a game, that was probably my biggest game of my career, 
and I saw that the opposing team got a touchdown on an uncalled pass interference call, I would be livid on the spot. And I mean, I'm just speaking for myself and speculating, but wouldn't you be too? Look up Sean McVay missed calls reactions and you'll probably find a good answer on to whether this game was scripted or not. Bengals should have won the game, but, you know, the conspiracy part of it is that the NFL loaned SoFi $5 billion to build this whole stadium. And the whole plan was to let the Rams win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. They went all in this year. You know, Matt Stafford, blah, 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 to try and get, you know, fans riled up. But it didn't really work out in terms of fan base because L.A. will always be a Raider town for the next 10, 15 years at least. Maybe tides are changing. changing. Eventually. But what they wanted to do is plant a seed. They planted a seed at SoFi Stadium. By winning, by the Rams winning the Super Bowl, they watered that seed, and now it's going to grow into a big tree in Los Angeles where everyone's going to be a Rams fan and no one's going to be a Chargers fan until they make the Chargers win the Super Bowl. And then there's going to be a big Rams-Chargers thing. Oh, Rams versus Chargers in SoFi Stadium. Wow, when do you want to call that one? 2028? When's the next time the Super Bowl will be in SoFi Stadium? I bet you it'll be Rams versus Chargers. It's predictable shit like this that you could call out miles away. And if you play close attention to it, it could be very valuable in the futures market. Imagine if you had a Rams futures market. Why? What's your reasoning? Oh, I don't know. The fucking Super Bowl's in fucking Los Angeles this year. (laughs) It's so fucking stupid. They've been 49ers, Bengals. But whatever. I like where the NFL's going with this, but they got. They're mixing a very gray line from scripted. To balling out, you know, let the, let them ball out. Let them generate their own excitement, you know. These great moments aren't engineered. They're, they're spontaneous. They're in the moment. You think, you think, you know, in baseball there's a lot of comebacks. I've seen the A's come back from, like, 9-2. to two. You, you think teams want to be down by 7? No, that's going to happen. But it's up to the team to find the grit to come back. You don't need the ref's help. You don't need anybody's help. You just need the intensity. And, you know, not 99% of the time the comeback doesn't happen. But these that's what makes a comeback great. They they don't need to happen every every deficit. And that, that was the thing. That's going to be the thing. Going with these games, you're going to almost want to take the plus points. The plus points because you know it's going to be a close game. I mean, besides the first week. You know it's going to be a close game. Well, that's it for NFL season. And it's been a good one. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. It's about the hour mark. I hit a few bets today. Like I hit uh, Europa League plus 750. You you know anybody giving out plus 750? No. Bodo Glimt. Bodo Glimt. Uh, Moneyline plus 750. Suck me off. 
I'm eight and one in the last week in like soccer picks, so I'm gonna be giving you guys out. I'm gonna be putting out an MLB episode soon because I gotta fucking rant about that shit. Um, it's been a good one. I'm not gonna edit this because I'm fucking tired and I don't want to edit this. So good luck with me. I won't edit this until I'm monetized or something like that. Uh, but until then, it's been a good one. And you know, take care. Bye.